This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. We've got a really cool show today. We're going to be chatting with BD Diesel. Uh, Christian Roth is joining us, and we're going to ask him a question we've always been curious about is, why should diesel truck owners who don't live in California, why should they care about carb testing? What importance does it have for people outside of the state of California? And then also we wanted to know more about the process of getting products done, what they're working on, and the the state of the the diesel industry and diesel ownership in in general. There's a lot of people that are talking about electric vehicles and, and other type things, and we wanted to know his opinion on you know, what the what the future holds and ways that we can grow the diesel industry and uh, a topic came up as well you know for shop owners out there we know a lot of you guys are listening to the podcast and we wanted to ask him about any tips that he would give you guys as you as you grow your business you've already you know started it you've got a customer base and ways you can stay focused and, and make sure that your core business is is being served and and maybe save some headaches along the way. Before we get to the podcast, though, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Mishimoto. They're a leader in the diesel industry and cooling products, and we've had them on the podcast before talking about transmission coolers and other things, and they have a, a wide variety of products that are available, whether they have a Cummins, Duramax, or Power Stroke. So make sure you head on over to Mishimoto.com. You can check out what they have for your particular vehicle, whether it's a daily driver, performance, or race truck. And for our shop owners out there, if you're looking for a place to be able to buy Mishimoto products, their their complete product line, check out Turn 14 Distribution. You can uh, go on their website, give them a call, get set up if you're not already. And then once you you know go on their site, you can see inventory and choose a bunch of different ways to be able to get products to your shop as quickly as possible and get your customers' vehicles back on the road. All right, let's get to the podcast with Christian from BD Diesel and chatting about what carb testing means and the state of diesel. Christian, welcome to the Diesel Podcast and an episode that is, there's so many questions that, that I have as a truck enthusiast and you guys have been leading the way and doing so much with getting so many different parts with emissions or carb approval and I've got a lot of questions for you so I'm glad we could connect today and be able to sit down and chat and look forward to, to uh, recording this episode with you. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for having me. One of the biggest questions I have is, you know, I see, I see that you guys have carb approval for um, turbochargers, and a lot of our listeners and a lot of questions that I'll see, people can say, well, hey, I don't live in California, so why does a carb number matter? And so I, I wanted to ask you, why is that so important or what, what makes it important to go through that process and get those approvals for one particular state, even though a customer may not live there and buy his a product in there in one of the other 49 states? Yeah, Patrick, actually, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and we're seeing a lot of other states um, uphold or utilize 
the carb emission standards. And so just because you live in, in California doesn't mean that in the future you're, you're not going to be governed by the uh, California Air Resource Board. Um, one state in particular, Colorado, has taken the same approach. Um, Nevada as well, too. And so, so when we say we got CARB approval or we received CARB, uh, I guess CARB doesn't like to say approval because they don't approve anything, but we meet CARB uh, requirements for emissions. Um, it, it applies to about a dozen states, uh, like I said, uh, Colorado and, and Nevada being one of them or two of them. And so it really applies to a lot more people. And we're going to see a lot more states take up this mandate uh, where they're going to utilize or piggyback onto CARB's emission standards uh, purely for a cost basis as well, too, and kind of a green initiative going forward. And so it's really going to start applying to a lot more customers. Um, and so that's why, as businesses, we have to take the approach that we got to tackle these um, and forward look, you know, what, one, two, and five, ten years out to make sure our products uh, do meet uh, those requirements and do meet uh, those emissions requirements for our customers. And that uh, just because they buy a product now, um, we want that to be emissions friendly in five years from now. Uh, that's some of the things, some of the challenges that, that theoretically could happen is they brought, buy a product today and then five years new emission laws come into place and that product they bought is no longer emissions friendly. And so for, for us as businesses, we start really investing heavy uh, in technology and in testing to making sure our products meet those requirements. That makes a lot of sense. So basically, you know, if I think about it, in, in the sense of testing or meeting requirements for an aftermarket product, it would make sense for one particular state to say, well, California already invested their time and effort and developed a system. So if it has that approval, why are we going to make our own, um, you know, testing infrastructure and, and requirements and everything. And so I can see how other areas would piggyback on that and why it's important. If you're going to get the, the requirements met, why it would go, through you know the the carb process yeah exactly and and whether you do or or don't agree with 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 carb and and their process on a uh on a government perspective it makes a lot of uh, sense on a cost savings to to utilize uh some of their standards right whether or not uh, i'm not privy to understand if they charge for that or not but if uh if i was if i was a government a state government and i said hey you know what i could I could save a lot of money if I utilize some of their infrastructure or some of the uh, some of the standards that they had. And, um, I'm only a fixed budget. Uh, why wouldn't I, right? Um, but again, at the same time too, it's got to be a balance, right? We got to know that one. It just because you're you're going to utilize their emission standards, has, does it have an effect on on business in the state and so on and so forth? And so there's there's a lot of other things at play that probably um, don't really apply to us that they have to make a decision on as well. Now, as far as diesel products, and there's there's so many for all different types, is you know, when you guys are looking at getting these products through the process, is it is it everything, or or what do you guys you know focus on? Like we mentioned the turbochargers, um, but then what else comes after that? Are there you know fueling products? Are there even transmission products or electronic things that also go through that process? Yeah, for sure. That's a good question, right? So, um, you know, you tackle one product and then you just continue down the family. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what we do. We take a look at a uh, um, high-volume product, uh, a product that is in demand, 
of course, it is in demand in, say, California. Obviously, you're not going to uh, – a snowplow or, or something that's uh, for winter operation, you're not going to go after the carb approval. Um, but it's got to be a high-demand product, um, and, and costing is quite expensive. And so definitely there has to be some sort of profit there, and there has to be some sort of um, – ability for us to uh, to share that cost and, and to tackle new products as well too so we typically take on turbochargers and then move down into the fuel injection uh, we did get uh, 49 state approval on a performance set of injectors uh, that marries very well with the turbocharger uh, with the screamer turbocharger that we actually just got carb certification on uh, and then you'd transfer you can continue to move down that line, right, until you tick all the boxes. So transmissions in particular is not something that's uh, predominantly a high focus uh, for CARB. They're looking at, at strictly emissions or horsepower output products. Um, so for us, we're not really worried about transmissions uh, or any type of drivetrain component. Now for turbochargers, does it also extend into the pre, I see pre-2007 trucks, whether it's a 5.9 or six liters or seven threes or LV sevens or anything like that is, is, is that part of it? Yeah, legally it does. Yeah, you bet. Uh, the primary focus is probably the later, um, but legally it, it would apply to as well too. So again, for us, all our focus has been on the later model vehicles. And if you take a look at the, the mass populace of vehicles, you're going to see um, while there's still a amount of those older vehicles around, um, you know, that sweet spot is that five, six-year-old truck, right? As soon as they come off warranty, that's that's the customer that you want, and that's where there's volume. Yeah, I think as well with the just what's out there to, you know, these new trucks make a, a lot of torque, and they have so many refinements but there's always a little bit more that we want and we mentioned that on a previous episode with towing and like the four things you need to do for a towing setup and so it, it's really encouraging to see the amount of products that are going through this process so for someone that wants to get um, a better performing turbo and some of these other products they can they can do it and it, it you know it wasn't always like that there wasn't always a process or even I don't know if it, it was really something in the truck owner's mind, you know, that they might need, but it seems like a, it's a whole industry kind of shift, you know, and it's, it's exciting to see it. And you'd mentioned the turbochargers and I wanted to ask you a little bit about those is what are you guys able to pick up or what is the truck owner able to get, you say above a stock turbocharger where we're able to kind of combine the, uh, meeting the emissions requirements, but getting a little bit more performance. What does the truck owner get when they go with one of these turbochargers? Oh yeah, so actually they get they get actually a, a better turbocharger that's fit more to even stock fueling levels, and that's one of the things. So these thirteen to eighteen Ram truck is that turbocharger is completely undersized, even in a stock fueling manner. Uh, and so when uh, when that customer bolts that Screamer turbo on. It's got a 64.5-millimeter inducer compressor wheel, and you're going to notice even in stock fueling levels, it's going to wake the truck up. It's going to feel um, much quicker, harder acceleration, uh, better performance, uh, cooler EGTs. Uh, it's not so restricted. And so they're immediately going to notice that effect. Uh, but then as well, too, it's, it's the ceiling of horsepower now has been raised because there's so much more available dense air is, is that now we could actually um, – 
throw a set of injectors in there as well, right? And those uh, those injectors are, are right now getting uh, in the process of carb approved, uh, the sorry, the carb approval process where they're actually being tested right now. So we've actually got downhill curves and emission tests on that, and and they've passed. Now it's just uh, effectively just going through the bureaucracy of paperwork right now. But and now we're actually increasing horsepower outputs of up, upwards of 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 horsepower uh, with carb approval, right? And so, uh, so in those circumstances, yes, we, we can increase that horsepower significantly uh, for a fairly cheap, um, fairly reliable, without losing your exhaust brake, um, still maintaining uh, the factory components and still meeting emissions. And so that particular customer has a, a, a tremendously uh, more enhanced, better driving, towing experience than he did before, right? So it's it really opens uh, the whole market up. And we're really seeing that, um, especially at these times right now where there's a little bit of uncertainty in the market. People are tending to hold on to their vehicles a little longer rather than getting into the latest 2020. Uh, they're going to hold on to that 14 or 13 model year. Um, and uh, for, yeah, for, for a fairly reasonable price, I can actually wake this truck up to make it feel as good or even better than a than a brand new model. I, I hear that a lot as well. Is like, you, should I go with a twenty twenty and you know the price tag that comes along with it, or invest some money into my twenty fifteen or fourteen or thirteen? And that that's where I think a lot of the a lot of the the market or the truck owners or the enthusiasts where their mindset is, and they're also through you know just the amount of information and the amount of content that's out there is i think they're more in tune or aware of emissions requirements or operating within a framework and so they're looking for those products so it's really cool to see the push that you guys have and what you're encompassing to make that happen yeah definitely it's it's it is pretty exciting right uh it is pretty exciting um the technology's changed drastically over the years Right, so we've been doing this for some time since the 80s, and, and the technology now, right? Geez, that's almost 40 years ago, but the technology now uh, has drastically changed. The, the development technologies on how we tackle these things, sensors, uh, the ability to download the truck, the airflow enhancements, the rapid prototyping that we do, the 3D scanning that we do, it enables to, us to get a better product a lot quicker. So it is, it's pretty exciting, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know one of the things that, uh, you know, when a new truck or, or something changes on a model is that the real enthusiasts are like, well, where's the turbochargers? Where's this? Where's that? And where, you know, I think back 15 years ago, things were so different where it was just, here's some more fuel, here's an upgraded injection pump, bigger turbo, there you go. And now it's a totally different ball game where the manufacturers have to think more long-term and strategic and really really put these together in, in a way that when the consumer gets it, they, they, they can go anywhere with it. They can drive it. They don't have to worry about something. And so I know it takes a little bit of time and we all get really excited wanting to do something to, you know, a new truck or a newer truck that we get. And it's, uh, it's really encouraging, I think for the whole diesel industry to see how it's been embraced and really taken on. And, you know, the time and the money that is invested to do this is, you know, it's not small, but it, it's, it's going to create, I think, a stronger industry and a stronger aftermarket. 
Yeah, definitely. I think one of the big things, too, with technology, um, we're really seeing a, a, an improvement in quality as well, too. So yeah. over the years, right, like you said, over the years, you just throw a feel at it. Now it's, it's, a, it's a lot more about engineering the system, right, understanding the airflow requirement, understanding um, the combustion process, understanding the outputs, right? And I, I think, I, really, you take a look at the product that, that the entire industry develops now, it's, it's a higher quality product than it ever should, than it ever was, really. It's it's really cool to uh, to be able to see how far it's come. Like even things as small as instructions, and how detailed they are, or having them available online, or videos. I know you guys got a, a YouTube channel, and you guys do a lot of how-to videos and product explanations. There's so much access to information that wasn't there before that. It, it's a really exciting time in diesel to, to be able to see. And, and I, I subscribe and, and watch the, the BD YouTube channel. And there's so much we can learn, you know, from one of the engineers talking about turbocharger design or like the throttle sensitivity booster. And I think there were some changes, some updates and upgrades that you guys have done to that. And I wanted to ask you that next is, you know, that we've heard a lot of people talking about that, a lot of people who like it. And there's so many different platforms that you guys support, but I wanted to ask you what, what changed from the original setup of the throttle sensitivity booster to what you guys have now. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah, actually, it's, uh, we're pretty excited about the product. The, so the original Throttle Booster um, was kind of a, a mounted as a under the dash type of product mm -hmm. uh, where there was an optional push button, right? You had a number of different positions. You actually had uh, three and four different options. Uh, that you could actually run the throttle sensitivity booster. In fact, actually, the version one actually didn't have a push button. It was really only the version two that we actually um, allowed a push button to be used to select the different positions or the throttle sensitivity, right? Uh, so now in version three, we've taken more of a, a consumer electronics approach where the display is much more vibrant. It's got a glossy finish with multicolor LEDs, um, and the overall unit is probably 10 times the size, or 10 times smaller, maybe not 10 times, but pretty darn close to 10 times smaller than the unit. It can either be mounted underneath the dash or, or uh, with two-sided tape actually on the dash. And uh, it all has a tactile feedback. So you can actually push your, your desired up and down uh, position or your sensitivity. Um, and a corresponding leaded LED will move through the uh, through the actual ranges of sensitivity. So so it's improved considerably. It it I kind of relate it to almost uh, an early days of cassette tapes uh, versus uh, versus say CD players, and now we're on to the electronic download phase, right? So it was a uh, I'm going to call it a significant evolution of design. So it's uh, it's it, we're one of the biggest things I guess that we get the feedback from is, is that it marries very nice to new age dashes, right? Versus the other product 
Uh, well, it, it looked, it, it's a legacy product, right? It was designed a number of years ago and the dashes have changed considerably. And so now the new age product, the version three, actually marries and fits well uh, with the modern dash, right? And, and since it covers so many applications, it covers hundreds of applications, um, it sits quite nice. It's something that I, I really, as an enthusiast, I've been one for a really long time is I think of the refinement of the aftermarket to where now the products are smaller, more efficient and how they blend in to, like you said, a modern dash, because that's something that you know, I've thought about at certain points where I had a, a new or a newer truck and there'd be a product. I'm like, this isn't going to flow with the dash or it's going to stick out, or I don't really want to do this to, you know, my, my LTZ or whatever, you know, truck I had at that time. And to see that start to be incorporated into so many different things it is really cool. And it's just, uh, it, it's just watching the industry progress and become more refined, not just with aesthetics, but with the technology and with the quality and the testing procedures and the research and development. I think it gives truck owners and enthusiasts and people who may upgrade their truck or components on it so much confidence and much more confidence in the aftermarket and what it can do that it's it's a it could probably be a whole podcast topic in itself but just hearing you 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 describe that was was really cool to think that that's an element of design in a product is how well it looks and matches these trucks that are filled with so much so many cool things and and everything's so visual and and just having that fit in is awesome yeah, I think, I think, you know what, as humans, we're creatures of habit and, and tendency, our tendency is to, to choose or to buy something that's going to look good. That's the very first thing, right? And so that's one of the aspects is that when we see something, you know what, when we're taking boxes, it's going to look good, right? That's a requirement. Two, it's got to perform well. And three, it's got to be, um, and that is, is the quality of the component. And it's got to be priced. It's got to be value price, right? And so there's four key items. And when designing uh, stuff nowadays, uh, those are the key things. Like designers now have, have have a very tough challenge on making sure that they appeal to a lot of different consumers. Um, and it, and it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, because you, you don't know when somebody gets a product, they could be, yeah, they could have been a long-time diesel enthusiast or very well-versed and, you know, how to install things and, and just get everything set up or they might not, it might be their first aftermarket product they've ever bought. And how easy is it for them to install? How easy is it for them to go through the install instructions? What if they have a question? How do they get in contact with you guys? And I could, I could see there being a lot that, that, uh, that goes into that to make sure no matter the you know, if it's a long time diesel truck operator owner or somebody just got their very first one, make sure they can use the product and feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. And so everything's really changed nowadays. Like you talk, you touch base a little bit on actually having the customer support, right? Yeah. How does that work? Right. So it's important. You know that, you know, one out of four customers is going to have a question after they purchase the product and, and so how do you, how do you design a, a customer support program to ensure those customers can reach you, can contact you, can have their question answered in a reasonable amount of time? Um, 
So yeah, it's a whole separate side of the business that that typically is is not generally thought of uh, at the time of purchase, right? But it's a very important uh, consideration, right? Taking care of our customers is is probably the most important. Uh, that's why we're in business because we take care of our customers, right? So and that's a lot of a lot of the uh, you know, we're getting ready to do an episode or something and. We'll ask our fans on Instagram or something. Hey, what do you guys want us to ask? Is very rarely do they say, "I want to know about post-purchase customer support." It's usually about the product. But then when we get questions, and they're usually like on the weekends or late at night. So I know somebody's been working on their truck and they're stumped, and every place is closed, and they'll just you know reach out to us because we might know the answer. Is how do they get in contact? And it's it's something that it's so important, you know, whether it's like a chat feature on a website or whether maybe somebody doesn't want to call. Like I prefer not to call. I would rather email or chat because I'm on the phone all the time. It's hard for me to stop and dial a phone number, but then there's other people who they don't want to chat. They want to talk to somebody. And so just encompassing all that, I imagine is a, a major challenge, but it, it goes hand in hand with not just the support for the truck owner, but then also diesel shops and, and installers and, and, companies that you guys work with all over North America, they're probably much the same way as far as getting in contact with you guys. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think, and that's the, that's the beauty about, about our, the industry and technology today is there's so many different mechanisms to communicate with our customers. But at the same time too, is, is that these companies have to design a mechanism to receive communication and how do we tackle that, right? How do we tackle that? You know what? People could reach out through the large variety of social media programs, right? Or they could call, or they can email, right? Or they could actually use uh, instant messenger, right? Yeah. All this stuff. And so you got these five, six different avenues, right, where people are are conversing back to you, and that you got to ensure that uh, you answer their questions uh, in a reasonable amount of time. Um, and so, yeah. So you're right, though. We could talk a whole podcast on this, right? So it's 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 quite interesting, definitely interesting. It's a lot of a lot of business shop owners, diesel repair shops. I know they listen to the podcast, and they get to that point in their growth where they they're successful. They have a rotation of trucks that are dropped off and and, and projects that they're working on, and then they get to that point of they've almost grown a little bit too fast, or they may not have the the manpower the systems in place and they ask a ton of questions about that and i always try to ask whoever i have on you know when i can is is how how they do that um what you know what are some some tips or some suggestions that these companies can do as they grow because we you know those shops are integral to to bdd so they're integral to the podcast they're integral to the truck owners out there that if they need something done on their truck and it's after warranty where are they going to take it? And so I think everyone has a vested interest in all different parts of the diesel industry being able to grow and be efficient because we all depend on each other in some way. You know, the products you guys are making or the, the racers you guys work with or the topics that, you know, that you guys are, are, are talking about, that helps us you know, talk about it on a podcast and ask you about carb approval and then you know, how do you support your customers or your dealers post sale but I, if there's if there's any advice you could give to you know a shop owner out there somebody that's that's, that's growing their business and they're like I'm struggling with keeping up on you know questions is my truck done or or anything like that what advice would you give them 
Yeah, so I think there's there's one question we always ask ourselves anytime we're faced with a challenge or an opportunity, um, you know what, what is going to be best for the customer, right? And ultimately, you got to ask yourself that, right? It's every company has a, uh, every company has, a, should have a mission statement, right? And, and in that mission statement, gosh, you better have um, customer service is probably one of your number one, right? Treat that customer with respect. Um, and do everything possible to take care of that customer. So, and you really have to understand is, is that if you're in their shoes, right, how would you like to be treated and treat them the same way? Um, that really doesn't answer the question um, when you're just inundated with customer answers or customer questions, how to respond to them. But at the same time, too, is, is that if you know that your customer is the number one most important thing in your day, uh, then you will effectively prioritize your day to treat the customer first. Um, and that means saying no to a lot of other things, right? And effectively, um, you will say no to non-value items, items that don't um, add value to the customer, don't bring in revenue, right? And this is where you're going to have to shed. and some, You're going to have to say no, and you're going to have to shed uh, some of these tasks or um, responsibilities or what have you, and you're going to just have to say no to those because they're not going to take care of my customer the way, the way I want to be uh, taken care of, right? So it's ultimately, so to serve a customer better, you have to learn to say no. Um, no to those things, right? No to those things that don't add value to the customer. That's really good advice. I, there was a guest we had on once, a shop owner, and I remember it wasn't, it didn't make it on the podcast. We were just chatting beforehand, and I said, do you do like race builds, performance builds, and he's like, I can, but I don't. And I said, Well, why don't you? He said, Because that's that's not my core business. My core business is is maintenance and repair and and doing these things. And if I take on, you know, a, a, a UCC truck type build or something like that, then I can't service these other trucks or these fleets. And so, in a way, like you said, it's it's being able to say no in a way, even if it's too, you know, a particular job to be able to focus on your core and. And I think that's something that a lot of these shops kind of in that they're not brand new, but they're, they haven't been around for 10 years and they're just going through that growing process. And, and sometimes they can get sidetracked a little bit on things that aren't part of their core. So I think that's some really good advice that, uh, you know, that you offered them. Um, as we close out 2020, which, uh, I think everyone's ready for 2021 here, but one of the <laughs> biggest, one of the biggest things is racing. And I've chatted with uh, a handful of BD racers, you know, over the past few months, I know they're really excited for next year. And I wanted to ask you, what is, what is BD diesel looking forward to in 2021 and some of the things you guys have going on with the race team and just, you know, hopefully events and different things to kind of get, Kind of get back to that, you know, the the events, the the boost, the you know, the crowds, all that kind of stuff that I know everyone's missed this year. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah. the, the thing I look forward to is is December 31st, right? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> 11:59, soon as it hits 12 <laughs> o'clock, January 1st, 2021. So, um, yeah, so it's it's yeah, so hopefully it just checks and hopefully 2020 uh, ends as quick as. Uh, as quick as that. But you know what? One of the opportunities, one of the things that we enjoy most is interacting with our racers, interacting with the fans, getting out to events and seeing people, uh, you know, and and competing with other shops, competing with other people, right? So uh, we absolutely love 
Uh, we love our competition, and we love competing against them, um, and, and we love their camaraderie that uh, uh, that we all have as an industry, right? And that's ultimately what drives us to be better. Um, yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, right? So I'm looking forward to that next season where where uh, where we can see our competitors in the paddocks, where we can see uh, competitors' tents, where we can see the BD racers, where we're we're offering race support, where we're offering new product. Um, yeah, just that camaraderie, right? Talking about challenges, wrenching on wrenching on vehicles all night, uh, just for just for the opportunity to go another another. Um, 1320 right so it's it's that's what that's what we need and that's what we're uh, we're looking forward to yeah we're, we're all we're all excited for it i know that the, the enthusiasts that are out there the the racing enthusiasts you know they they've always loved it but it, you know i've i've definitely gotten a different appreciation you know just for the simple things of you know it was really cool at ucc last year to see live feeds and see you know derrick rose you know getting really excited because he won or, you know, seeing you guys, you had a bunch of pizza and a bunch of stuff at the booth. And then I see, you know, other competitors and other things. I didn't realize how much I missed that till I didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's the that's the camaraderie we talk about. Yeah. The pizza days where you get, you get your competitors, you get your race team. You know what? For, for that hour, right? Everybody is on the same team, right? Everybody is here wanting to, wanting to race. And, and that's really what drives us. And that's what we really enjoy. It was, it was great to, to catch up with you, Christian, and talk about turbos and emissions and advice for, for diesel shops. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting to see, and, and I encourage all of our listeners, you know, make sure you follow BD Diesel on Instagram, Facebook, go on YouTube, subscribe. There's a lot of great content that you guys provide and updates and new things, and you guys are moving really fast. So, you know, if you're a diesel enthusiast, I encourage everyone to do that. But, again, like I said, I appreciate your time today chatting and, and giving us some advice and knowledge. Yeah, definitely. You know what? One of the big things is that, you know, as a diesel community, we got to stick together and keep on promoting diesel. Um, you know what? There's a lot of technologies out here, and, and these OEMs are starting to um, are starting to, unfortunately, change their product mix because people are uh, – one particular um, – segment of the market is screaming more for electronic vehicles, right? So as diesel enthusiasts, uh, we got to make sure that we continue to let uh, these OEM know, uh, know that we, we still want diesel, right? Um, I don't want to drive a Tesla, right? I want, I want my pickup truck. Don't forget diesel fans. If there's any questions that you have on any of the products that Christian was talking about for your truck, make sure and check out BD diesel. Also give them a follow on Instagram and Facebook and also for any cooling products that you're looking for, the transmission coolers or just tons of different things to, to keep your truck running the way that you need to. Make sure you head on over to missionmoto.com, check out what they got, and also turn 14 distribution as well if you're a shop owner and looking for a place to be able to get diesel products and get them quickly and delivered right to your shop as quickly as possible get your customers back on the road. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.